There is something deeply wrong with me. Now recording! <laughs> oh, no. So, maybe I should just save it for my watch for. I guess I'll save it because it's the only thing I watched this week, so. Mm. Never mind what I was about to say. Okay. That's it. <laughs> That's what we in the biz call a tease, I think. Mm. Somewhat, sure. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Somewhat, somewhat also that we're in the biz. Welcome in, everyone, to episode 444 of the Foreign Affair Podcast. Hods in the name. Jin would be proud. This is our World Cup wrap-up episode. Thank God this is over. Um, I am... Boy, that was a hell of a final, wasn't it? Yeah, final. As I will probably say not for the last time today, this tournament did not deserve. Um, yeah. I'm Edward Green, joined as always by McCollin Crown West Bradshaw, and we are going to talk about the World Cup final. It was a bang, a banger, bangers only in the final here, um, as it was a very big match between Argentina and France that came down to the final moments of the match. Um, what a what a very epic ending for a very odd World Cup. Um, we also do have to very, very lightly touch on the League Cup, a much, much less prestigious tournament with a much less prestigious drink sponsor. You um, mean a much more prestigious tournament? Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Liverpool has still has a chance to win this one, so it's more prestigious. My apologies. We champions <laughs> um, of the somewhat less prestigious tournament. <laughs> And we'll keep on crying to the end. And it doesn't matter anymore once we lose. <laughs> oh, that's that's how it goes. Um, so we will be discussing that. We'll also give a very brief preview of what is to come on Boxing Day and the couple sequent days after that, as the Premier League makes its valiant return to the airwaves. Uh, we'll have a very brief news and notes section. We'll pimp the athletic and uh, we'll do a little watch for, which, as I mentioned, Wes teased at the beginning of this podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll call it a wrap for almost this entire 2022 year. No, it's I can't believe can't believe it's almost here. Um, Another one's almost over. Astounding. I can't believe we made it. One one day closer to Skyler taking over. <laughs> oh, it almost can't come soon enough. The rise uh, of the machine. Who played uh who played John Connor in the last movie? Oh god, the last one man, I fucking clue. Oh, uh, who was it? Oh now now I now I have to now I have to know. I'm sorry folks. We have to I only like the old I only like the the old stuff, so I still go back to uh yeah, who was who played the young John Connor? Oh, I wasn't even okay. So I I forgot that there was actually another movie between the one I was talking about and now. So um, uh, the who's uh Connor Connor Connor? Original John Connor was like that early nineties like teen heartthrob. Um. Oh, he wasn't in the first movie. Okay, so here's no, John the, Connor wasn't born in the first movie. Hey, hey, this this might surprise all of our listeners out there. I've never watched a Terminator movie. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I, I don't know why you would be. In the in the first one, he was referenced many times, 
Okay. But Arnold was Arnold was sent back in time to try to kill Linda Hamilton, who's John Connor's mother. All right. So to, to prevent him from being born. So apparently, Edward Furlong plays John yes. Connor, but was he was in also G2. played by yes, but he was also played by Dalton Abbott and Michael Edwards mm-hmm. uh, as the younger and older selves. Then he was played by uh, Nick Stahl in T three. He's played by Christian Bale. I forgot that. Oh God, yeah, I forgot about that one too. Oh my God, uh, Jason Clark was in the 2015 one, and then Edward Furlong actually came back in Terminator: Dark Fate. Hmm. Okay. I I did not know that. That's See, I'm such like an original Terminator, Mark. Like fucking um, uh, Michael Bane playing Kyle Reese. Oh mm-hmm. man, Kyle Reese was awesome. And then he was played by Anton Yelchin. Oh. Uh, poor Anton Yelchin. Poor Anton. Wait, Helena bon- Bonham Carter was in this? Wait, what? Yeah, I think she's somewhere in the franchise. She was Skynet? I'm Holy sorry. Hell. What? And if I learn one thing, don't question Skynet. Oh my God, what is this? so? Yeah, I'm just like on a like the Terminator characters wiki page. Yeah, some of these names are just like ins- I forgot there was a show, and I forgot oh, Summer yeah. Glau was in it. Oh wow, Jackie can Jackie can thank me this weekend when on Christmas you guys are doing a deep dive into uh, Terminator. Oh, Garrett Dillahunt was in that show. Oh dang. I didn't know that. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard was apparently in one of the movies. Common was in a movie. What? Bryce Dallas Howard has been chased by a Terminator and dinosaurs. JK Simmons was in a movie. JK Simmons was apparently playing a character in the 2015 movie. That was also in the original Terminator, just played by a different person. Detective O'Brien. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a very minor role, but still. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. I, hmm. Okay. Dean Winters was on the show? You say so. I... I don't say so. This this Wikipedia page says so. Huh. Huh. Okay. I believe whatever Wikipedia tells me, I agree. I, I have nothing else to go on. <laughs> I have oh man. Oh man. Okay. Wow. Let me uh let me try to recover from this as we uh go to speaking of, speaking of Terminators, the World Cup. <laughs> oh, oh no, oh no. Skynet was responsible for less deaths. Um, woo! <laughs> and, and much less human slavery. Yeah. Oh. Uh, mm. Guess okay. who's not getting an invite to Qatar anytime soon? <laughs> that's fine. I'm. I am okay with this. Um, this is this is not our dark future. Guess um, who's not going to eat the Salt Bay anytime soon? Salt Bay. Fucking Salt Bay. So random, man. So that, that that out of a World Cup that was built on cringe, that <laughs> may have been the cringiest part of it. 
Was was he more cringe than Macron? I think Macron was like only the third most cringe person on that damn uh, stage. Wait, who was the second? <laughs> um, first and second was a tie between whoever the Qatari guy was and Johnny Infantino. Mm, yeah, you know what? That's fair. Uh, uh, you know what? Yeah. God, Infantino! I've I never wanted to punch Infantino harder in my life. <laughs> Get the hell out of the way, dude. This isn't about your sorry ass. It is. It is truly a monkey's paw curl when we wished for Set Bladder to go away from FIFA. Because God, did we get someone actually tangibly worse. Or at least very close to being on par with. I don't know. There's nothing positive about either of them. No, I don't I don't know. I think I think the problem is Infantino is still relatively young. So he's got yeah. more energy about him. So Bladder was just like in the corner over there, just kind of doing his old man shtick. Just I like football and, and bribery. I don't know why I gave him that accent. And and uh and Infantino is like more he he's definitely become more Bond villain. I think like, I don't think Sepp Blatter is a Bond villain, but he's definitely not good. Infantino is a Bond villain and and like one of the bad Bond villains. Like, I don't know. Oh yeah. yeah. Like not one of the cute cheeky ones. Yeah. Which was the one that had uh Christmas Jones in it. That guy, that bad guy. That's Infantino. <laughs> Infantino wants to blow up the moon. <laughs> I mean, if you can't play matches on there, what's the point? Exactly. If you if you can uh, if you can't extort money out of them, what's the point of that? Right? Uh, we just we just want to bring in a and see you know if people on the moon want to you know play and if we happen to get a couple billion dollars from them because of it, well you know that's just the cost of doing. All right, we really need to talk about this final because we've we've talked about a lot of other things so far. Um. Well, so where to begin? Where? I guess at the beginning. Um, as uh, I was born <laughs> in the first half, it kind of looked like the final I was secretly deep down hoping for, which would be a, a runaway in either direction. As uh, Lionel Messi coolly took a 23rd minute penalty, and then just a few minutes later, another great Argentina team goal finished by Angel Di Maria, capped off a 2 0. Halftime advantage for Argentina over France. And it looked like for a lot of the second half, it would continue to be that way. Argentina dominated possession, really kept control of the match. And then as they've kind of done a couple times throughout this tournament, the last 10 to 15 minutes, they just completely fall apart. Uh, France came through uh, earning a penalty, which Kylian Mbappe step up and took in the 80th minute. And then, not two minutes later, scored again to level things up and send Lucille into pandemonium. As the score went into extra time, tied at two, it was Lionel Messi's turn for what he thought would be the defining moment of his career in the 108th minute, scoring a tap-in rebound that looked like it might have just given Argentina the World Cup they've wanted for so, so very long since a famous hand was involved. Not a not a hand you'll find in Qatar, let me tell you that. Um, but it wasn't to be as France threw body after body into the box, finally getting another penalty in the match on a handball. 
This time, Kylian Mbappe stepped up and took it again to level things up at three. And France nearly, nearly won it just moments before the final uh, full-time whistle. But Emmy Martinez, as he was for much of this match, came up absolutely massive uh, to stop France from scoring in the waning moments to send it to penalties, in which time Argentina were the steadier men on the day as they knocked in four penalties to finish it off. Gonzalo Montiel, the final, final one there as Argentina lifts the trophy. Lionel Messi lifts the trophy to a, a joyous Andres Cantor, um, who I think everybody has now realized actually grew up in Argentina. I think, I think we all know that now. Um, so it yeah. was, um, it was a weird one, Wes, because in, again, for maybe like the first 75 minutes, Argentina really dominated this match and maybe should have even had a bigger than two goal lead. Uh, but full credit to France for coming back like they did and extra time. Uh, certainly one of the more exciting extra times I've ever seen. A lot of times we'll see an extra time and it looks like both teams are just kind of being very cautious and cagey and saying, all right, if we go to penalties, we go to penalties. These teams both went for it. It was very refreshing to see them do that. And then, of course, the penalties, as has been a couple times this year, was just a very mixed bag of some really, really poor efforts by a couple of players in this one. But at the end of the day, Argentina takes it home, Wes, and uh, the capstone of a kind of weird match for a very, very weird World Cup. Ooh, that's one way to describe it. Um, Argentina for 80 minutes looked like... Uh... But like many a Liverpool match that I've spoken of on this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, we were up 2-0. Shit, could have been 5-0. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, they were so good early. Uh, we talked about it last week. My thoughts were Argentina would come out like a house of fire and it'd be up mm -hmm. to France to try to settle into the game. You were right. France did not settle into that no. game. No. At all. At all. The highlight, well, the low light for France, maybe the highlight of the whole thing was um, Didier Deschamps having to make two, not one, oh, yeah, two bad. first half substitutions. That's embarrassing. Um, Usman Dembele deserved all day, every day to be taken off. Um, kind of felt it for um, Olivier Giroud, who was so good in this tournament. And he was hooked more for it was more of a tactical mm -hmm. deal that he had to come off. It wasn't that he wasn't doing his job, mm -hmm. um, but but tactically he had to come off to make that happen. Mm -hmm. um, that did indeed get France to halftime, and in the second half, even the second half, France just didn't look like there was much there. Um, just didn't look like they had a lot of thrust going forward. Almost seemed at times like France was like resigned to, well, we can't come back from this. You know, mm -hmm. hey boys, we gave it a good run, but you know, that's about all we got. And then all of a sudden, Mbappe, who um, my wife has decided has one of the most punchable faces that she's ever seen. She's not wrong. She, she, is, she is not an Mbappe fan. <laughs> I said, but what about Mbappe 23 when he comes to Liverpool? She said, I hope he scores a ton of goals for Liverpool. She said, doesn't mean I like his face. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, Mbappe, not, not a popular opinion with the 
with the wifey poo around here. But um, <clears throat> the one thing you can't deny is that dude is amazing. He is. He's really good. I mean, just he just is uh, converts the penalty like literally thirty three playing seconds later scores the equalizer. I think we threw four or five uh, West reaction uh, yes. memes back and forth during this uh, during this match, and that was definitely a one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that was definitely. I think that might have been. I think that was the second time it had been broken out on the day. <laughs> Wow, and suddenly a match that if if you if you if you just watched that match mm-hmm. and never saw any goals when it go in and never saw a scoreboard, and I paused it and I said, All right, what do you think the score is right now? People would laugh and be like, Oh, Argentina's just run away with this match. Mm-hmm. A match like that, and instead France uh, have it have it leveled. It's one of those things where sometimes you almost say, oh, France didn't really deserve it. But no, they did. They deserved it because those two moments of absolute magic deserved exactly what they got from it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like you said, instead of instead of two teams just trying to clamp it down and, oh, well, we'll just, uh, we'll just, we'll just play for penalties and, oh, we'll just, uh, hell no, those two went at it like they were insane. Mm-hmm. It, it was like both of them were like, I want absolutely no part of extra time. Mm-hmm. And then I want absolutely no part of penalties. Yep. But that's just where they ended up. Man, it was, it was maybe the most thrilling extra time I've ever seen in a match. Agreed. I mean, just just phenomenal between two teams going at it. Um, and then, like you said, Messi getting the uh, getting the rebound goal, and then Killian getting his second penalty of the day. Um, man, it was it was just fantastic. Then we go to the shootout, and of course, Argentina end up winning in the shootout. Uh, what our one thing I really liked about the shootout was Messi and Mbappe. Uh, wisely, maybe both remembering <laughs> what happened in the Brazil match, and both talismans stepping up and setting the tone for their teams. Mm-hmm. So um, that was good to see. But then at the end, um, you know, we talked about it before. I think we mentioned it last week, and it was mentioned many times. Hugo Lloris has never saved a shot in a penalty shootout. Yeah. Um, I heard someone say, well, did they think about maybe putting in Steve Mandanda and da 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 da? I- I'm not going to say that would have been the worst idea. Um, <clears throat> that said, I don't think it's really like a mental thing with Larice. I just think, you know, a lot of it's just getting lucky and going the right way. Mm-hmm. And for Larice, yeah, maybe he just didn't get lucky on that. But um, Emmy Martinez. You know, he had some of the, like, greatest Argentine shithousery of all time. Truly a master of the dark arts. I mean, once again, Diego Simeone, I think, watched this match in a dark room with a tear in his eye. (laughs) Just going, it is done. I mean, I can literally see him, you know... 
you know, not to get biblical on everyone, but you know, when Jesus died, Jesus gave up his soul and said, like, it is done. And Jesus died. I literally could have seen Simeon doing that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Just saying it is done. My, my work is complete and just giving up his spirit and like ascending upward or downward in Simeon's case. But anyway, um, Amy Martinez did just, <laughs> God almighty. I, I just, I, I, we always knew Emmy Martinez was a good goalkeeper, mm-hmm. but my God, he stepped it up here. Yeah, and just yep. he did just enough to fuck with people here. Got a couple of them off their game. Argentina ends up winning it. Um, a stunning match. A match that what what I'm what one thing I was really excited about when it was over was. Yeah, a lot of times when you get these awesome matchups that you're so excited about, they never live up to it. And in in a normal shit match with Messi versus Mbappe, it would have been, you know, maybe each of them scoring a penalty and then Griezmann scoring a tap in and, you know, just and, and at the end of the day, you're like, well, you know, Messi didn't do too much and Mbappe didn't do too much. No. Mm-hmm. Once Mbappe got clicked into that game, buddy, it was the two superstars dragging their teams. Mm-hmm. And that's literally all you can ask for in that situation is the two best players. I got no problem saying it. It's the two best players in the world. It is the symbol of the old guard and the new guard. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is a perfect, that match ended up being like a perfect dichotomy for football. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I think I texted you after I said, I said that was simultaneously the greatest and the worst World Cup ever. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that final, if you're just looking at the numbers, maybe you go back to England 66 which was a, an absolute lunatic match. I think that was like a 4-3 final or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm quite sure on the day, yes, I know Sir Jeff Hurst uh, scored a hat trick that day for England. Uh, I doubt he did it with any sort of the flair and panache. <laughs> and Bobby <laughs> and Messi did it. I think, uh, to me, it goes down. That's the greatest World Cup final ever. It lived up to the hype, and it delivered on the biggest stage. So, yeah, as shitty as Qatar is, man. And we said this. We've been saying this. It's like, well, I mean, you know the play on the field is going to be good. And it was. Um, what a final. What a final. Uh, Messi ends the debate. Hell, Messi shuts the conversation just down forever. Mm-hmm. And um, Argentina... You know, on the back of West Branch, I'll pick them on the first day of the tournament to win the tournament. Argentina wins it. There you go. He got one right. Oh, and the man. French are basically the English cousins, so it's close enough. There you go. Um, so just going through some of the other finals, uh, I will also say, uh, actually, the last time Argentina won a final, uh, the one when they beat West Germany and Mexico, the th- was 3-2, and they needed a, the, right. the late goal there. Um, so that was, that was kind of a, a crazy one there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the England West and Germany I, one. I, I did I did hear this one compared to the eighty six one. So. Uh, the England West Germany one was four two, but that was also in mm. extra time. So true. Uh, that was that was also a pretty crazy one. Uh, and then just if you if you just wanted to see goals and didn't really matter, uh, you can go back to uh, everyone's mm-hmm. favorite nineteen fifty eight. Uh, when Brazil beat Sweden five uh, two, everybody, of course, everybody's favorite one. Brian, um, Brian Williams was there. Mm-hmm. So, a couple more thoughts I'd have. Uh, one you meant you mentioned Hugo. Um, I I genuinely feel bad for the guy. I I think he had a tremendous World Cup. He was mm-hmm. very big for France in a lot of these matches. And I think mm-hmm. had a very, very, very good World Cup, but you're it's just for whatever reason, he just he has a terrible penalty saver. Just absolutely abysmal. And it just it just sucks that that's what it comes down to for him. And that's like the lasting mm-hmm. moment in a in a World Cup where he did play. Cause it, it's funny too, because oh, yeah. you go back to the last World Cup and the final against Croatia, he was a little suspect in that match. Kind of was like directly responsible for one of the goals Croatia actually got in that one, but France just kind of ran away with it, so it didn't really matter. I think he was much better at this final, and it but it goes to penalties and it loses. So, um, do feel do feel a little hard done for him. Um, also talking about our text messages, um, and you you also mentioned the sort of passing of the torch. One of the things you texted me was, uh. I think it was, you know, something to the effect of which uh, which team winning makes Ronaldo feel worse. And I think and I think it was just like it's bad either way. And I mm-hmm. and I stick by that, especially after the way this match played out, because you have Messi and, and, and I, you, you touched on this a little bit, but you have Messi turning in not just like, oh, he was there and he and he ended up winning like no. He was a key contributor to that. Oh, yeah. Like, look, I love Pedro Martinez. I, I adore oh, yeah. that man. Absolutely. When 2004 Pedro was not quite as important to the Red Sox as like 99 Pedro. No. But no, Pedro, Pedro in no. 99, you, you remember the 99 playoffs where they, um, you know, ended up losing to, I think it was the Yankees. Whatever. Like Pedro literally drugged that Red Sox yep. team just to get as far as they did. I mean, God, the freaking game five against Cleveland, where he mm-hmm. came out of the bullpen with the must I mean, that was like mm-hmm. that was like Pedro Martinez is the greatest pitcher I've ever seen, like mm-hmm. in my lifetime. Um, but yeah, two thousand four Pedro. Two thousand four Pedro was like that dude, it's like it's like, hey, I was on that team. It's like, oh, oh yeah, you were, weren't you? <laughs> you, you? You played pretty yeah. good. You played it. You played all right. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, is um, kind of what Ronaldo is now. Don't you compare those two men. <laughs> Ronaldo? Yeah, but I'm just saying. I, I'm I saying, okay, when you want to compare it career-wise. Yeah. yeah. You know, 2022 Ronaldo is, like, much more 2004 Panthers. I wouldn't even except say for the fact, except for the fact that Pedro won. So. I would I would actually go far so far as to say Ronaldo now is Pedro with the Mets. That's oh, that's God, actually right. Pedro. Here we are. Um, yeah. So 
so this my as we went on this tangent and, and remembered how great Pedro Martinez was for a moment. Oh, um, the point of it was Messi was <laughs> not 2004 Pedro. He was uh, fantastic from the moment this tournament mm-hmm. started to quote unquote for Argentina in their second match against Mexico <laughs> when it was around an hour in and it's nil nil and you're like oh. Oh shit, is Argentina just going to completely choke here in the group stage? And he found the goal. He found a lot of big goals for this tournament. And he was the driving force in this match for Argentina. As you said, as other people have said, this this was finally also an Argentina team that wasn't uh, beholden to Messi. They played with him, not through him. It was fantastic. Messi was an amazing force in this match. And then you had that young gun in Kylian Mbappe, who is said to maybe become the next best player in the world. I think there's a really good crop of players, um, but Mbappe is most likely the best. Oh, yeah. If you look at like the, the Hollands and the Bellinghams coming up, Hall, uh, Mbappe is the best yeah. of them all. And he had also a fantastic final. So now it's like Ronaldo isn't in the conversation of best player anymore. I, I think this does no. it. I think this does it. Messi is now above him. Even I, I don't believe World Cup should have been the the thing that pushed Messi over. I think he was already there, but at this point, what else do you have? I, I think that's it, and I think Mbappe just showed he's he's next man up. So I don't as a as a weird subplot. I think this makes a very odd case for Ronaldo that he's just he doesn't have a spot anymore because he's not the best older player, and there's now right. younger players who have fully. Oh, yeah fully hit their uh, their apex. So I I think for him this is this is to be a very chastening moment. Uh Brendan McCarthy on Twitter uh had a great uh a great take after the match where uh he uh he said, you know, this is uh we have live footage of Ronaldo watching this match and it's one of the <laughs> uh the last scenes from Dodgeball um when uh Ben Stiller's character is just watching TV and has gotten all fat again. Um and and uh just crying. I'm like, that's 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 Cristiano Ronaldo right now. Very, very depressing. Um, so yeah, a lot of so a lot of crazy stuff happening in this match. And again, there's this was a very crazy World Cup. There's there's been words upon words upon lines upon lines of pages of paper that have been said and written about this cup, and now it is finally behind us and i will say it one more time a final that quite frankly this tournament did not deserve with how great of a final it was and how Mm. exciting especially in those final 40 minutes it truly was Mm. um yeah this was this was this was a world cup for the ages and uh now we we cast our eyes to north america in 2026 when we'll have 48 teams and it'll be It'll be a thing. So any Man, I can't I can't wait to go see Saudi Arabia play gun. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> um any any final thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I will say real quick, I will say this. You could do worse than go see in a match there. That is a fantastic little Oh yeah. I mean, especially in the middle of the summer in the United States. Um it actually might be the best possible. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Because it is 72 degrees. <laughs> it's what it's what Qatar promised they would do. Exactly. Um, yes, with their manufactured clouds. 
<laughs> um. Well, they had so manufactured as, fans. They just didn't keep anybody cool. Uh, well, yeah, they had manufactured fans, just no, no manufactured clouds that we were told they were going to have. <laughs> um, as far as the uh, the debate, <clears throat> just leave it there. I saw a uh, a meme is and um, first there was a picture of Maradona said uh, never won, never won the cup. Uh, there was a picture of Tyler never played in Europe. There's a picture of Ronaldo never won the World Cup. I mean, if you, you know, people have their criteria for determining who the greatest in all time is. If you want to go by trophies in the cabinet, that's who you got Multiple champions leave. Um, won the. Hey, Wes, real the quick. Uh, go ahead. Oh, oh, now you sound great again. I was just about to say, it looked, oh. it sounded like you got a little muffled there for a second. Okay, maybe I took a wrong turn at Albuquerque. Um, but Messi, I mean, end of the day, man, you look at the trophy cabinet, multiple European Cups. Mm-hmm. He won the uh, Copa. What do they call it down there? Copa America. Copa America. Yeah, okay, so I had it right. He won Copa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's won La Liga. He's won Le Rennes. Woo-hoo. Sure, that's yeah. the one that that's the yeah. one who that he falls asleep dreaming about. Oh, yeah. And now he's now he's won the World Cup, man. He's got I think seven or eight um the World Player of the Year awards. Uh, I mean, I it's it's hard to argue, man. It's hard mm-hmm. to argue. And at a time where you know he's he's doing it against basically heads up with Cristiano Ronaldo who is also considered in that argument as the greatest player ever, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, nothing, nothing to take away from Pele, but I mean, I, I, I doubt I, I, now I don't know. I'm not going to claim to be an expert on 1950s and 1960s uh, Brazilian <laughs> league football. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I doubt there was anyone who was even on the same map with Pele. Um <clears throat> Uh, with Maradona, who I, I adore Maradona. Um, I mean, there was no one else on Maradona, quite on Maradona's level back in the 80s. Um, and Messi's done it with Ronaldo, like right there in front of him, basically going head up with Ronaldo through all of this. Mm-hmm. And I find that very, um, I find that a very uh, strong argument to put in there um mm. i mean it's incredible man and, and and just not only that but i mean here he is we we've seen before we, we kind of saw it with ronaldo when he won um when when they won um europe a few years ago with portugal ronaldo obviously so ronaldo has has won the european championship mm-hmm. but i mean ronaldo wasn't he wasn't really the driving force of that team. I mean, he was an important part of that team. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he was the story because he made sure he was the story. Messi was the story because every time he stepped on the field, he was head and shoulders the best player on the field. He was the best player on the team that won it. He led them. He was the captain. He drug them there. I mean, to me, that's that's so special. Um and that's very much on par with with what Maradona did because mm-hmm. Maradona drug 
an Argentina team that wasn't as good as a lot of those other teams in 86. I mean, they just weren't as talented, but they had this guy who just wouldn't let them lose. Mm-hmm. Pele, and this is nothing against Pele, Pele was the best player on the best team in the world. Mm-hmm. And he was he was the best player in the world. <laughs> yes. But he also had the best set of teammates by far around him as anyone in the world had. So, um, you know, I think those are just a few little tick marks, maybe for Messi, that kind of help him out a little bit in that argument. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, really, Maradona, Pele, Messi, throw a dart at a board, and you've got an argument for the greatest player ever. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I just... um. I think, and not, you know, Cristiano has, Cristiano has slowed down on the field. That's acceptable. I really think one of the biggest problems Cristiano's having is the perception of him right now. Yep. Because he is, that dude is absolutely setting his legacy on fire right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like every other day, it's like he's throwing gasoline on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, for a guy who has been so media savvy over the years, it's like you just want to look at him and be like, dude, what are you doing? Have you literally had like a stroke recently that nobody knows about? <laughs> um, because, God, whoever's advising, if anyone is advising Ronaldo right now, they need to be like blackballed from the business forever mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're horrible. Uh, but yeah, I mean, end of the day, you know, Ronaldo was watching it on his 100-foot television, probably beside an ocean somewhere, you know, living living a life that the rest of us can not even dream about in our wildest dreams. But, man, at the end of the day, Ronaldo can have these records. He can have all this money. He can have what he has, but he, he ain't got the World Cup. He ain't got – he does not have the biggest prize of them all. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but his chief rival – does and was a key factor in it too yeah yeah was the man in doing it too so sucks to be ronaldo yeah yeah um hurts my hurts my feelings i know i I, my heart bleeds um just looking at messi's uh list of accomplishments i mean he's won Liga more times than you can count. I mean, I could probably count mm-hmm. it if I really tried. Uh, he's won the Copa del Rey. He's won the Supercopa. He's won the Champions League four times. He's won the US, the Super Cup three times. He's won the Club World Cup three times. As you said, he's won Leon. He's won uh, a world a FIFA World Youth Championship. He's won an Olympic gold medal. He's won Copa. He's won uh, the Cup of Champions for CONMEBOL and UEFA. He's won a mm-hmm. World Cup now. He's won... The Ballon d'Or, he's been the best FIFA player. He's won, he's now won the golden ball at the World Cup twice, which I don't think anyone else has done. Um, he's he is in my mind now, without a doubt, the greatest player to ever play the game. I just, I don't, I can't see any arguments anymore that really go against him. So. It is truly, truly greatness. Now, you talk about torching a legacy. We'll see what ends up with this whole Saudi Arabia partnership he has. We'll uh, 
We'll see what how well, that goes. But as of right now, Messi Messi is riding just a little bit higher than uh, than Ronaldo is. Um, and hey, speaking of Saudi Arabia, maybe maybe they'll be able to be teammates over there or something. Um, uh, well, now apparently there are reports that have come out in just the last few hours that hmm. uh, Messi has verbally agreed to extend his PSG contract. Yay! Yeah, um, no, no, nothing yet decided on length or uh, money. Um, but apparently he has said he'll he's going to stick around a little longer at PSG to uh, continue getting to the round of 16 in the Champions League. Yep. Uh, the the wonderfully named Jonathan Johnson over at CBS uh, Sports reporting that exactly uh, their uh, verbal pact has been made and negotiations will begin in January to keep him there. Um, oh, so wonderful. good, good for them. Huh? <laughs> Everything's coming up Millhouse there. Uh, uh, um, I, hope, I hope he makes a little money just for his sake. Yeah, I, I you know, don't, don't lowball hit them. <laughs> um, real quick then, as we look at the League Cup, uh, matches have already been played because that is that has started. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, Leicester beat MK Dons three nil. Uh, Wolves beat Gillingham and uh, unfortunately knocked the last remaining League Two side out 2 0. Uh, Southampton got past Lincoln City 2 1. Newcastle beat Bournemouth 1 0. Forest beat Blackburn 4 1. Uh, Charlton beat Brighton and Hove on penalties 4 3. Uh, and United beat Burnley 2 0. Uh, we still do have City versus Liverpool uh, tomorrow. I'm quite interested to see what kind of lineups. Those teams are going to be thrown out with their first match back after the World Cup break. Um, but yeah, so those teams will now be going into the round of eight. The only non-Premier League side left will be Charlton Athletic. And we'll see after uh, tomorrow's match who they get drawn against. Um, so Wes, I guess, you know, not much to say about the matches. I certainly didn't really watch them or anything because... You know, whatever. But uh, again, I am, you know, not that it really means anything for either team, but I am a little curious to see uh, what kind of lineup City and Liverpool are going to be trotting out there ahead of their uh, their Boxing Day holiday matches to rejoin the Premier League. Um, you know, I figure any anybody who got into the knockouts of the World Cup probably won't be starting at least. Mm-hmm. Um, for Liverpool, uh, you got the Brazilian contingent, you've got, uh, Trent, you've got Henderson. Uh, that said, Trent didn't play a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but that said, I, I doubt you'll see those guys. Uh, but that said, I mean, you should still, from the Liverpool perspective, have a pretty strong squad. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because a lot of those guys weren't at the world cup, your Mo Salah, your Bobby Firmino, um, you know, Diego Jota, um, mm-hmm. uh, Andy Robertson, you know, a lot of those guys weren't there. Um, you come back, uh, I, I expect to see maybe uh, Joel Maddox, Joe Gomez at the back. Mm-hmm. Um, Robertson, Simikas, however you want to do that at the back. Uh, the, the great Quevin Kelleher would probably be starting anyway, mm-hmm. since it is a cup match and this is his cup. Uh, <laughs> So I think you'll see a a pretty strong Liverpool team. Uh, they played in the last week. They played both Lyon and AC Milan. 
Hmm. Um, in let me Qatar, maybe it was in Abu Dhabi or something. They they went and did a warm weather training uh, for like a week, and so they played two matches. So they have played a little bit. Um, I think you'll see that group run out there uh, with eyes toward um, Monday. I mean, shit, you're playing Thursday to Monday. That's not terrible. Mm-hmm. That's not terrible going forward. So, uh, yeah, I expect to see a pretty Liverpool team out there. I mean, I, I expect to see Erling Holland um, for Manchester City. Now, City have more guys going deeper into the tournament. So, you know, we'll see how what they put out. But two, <clears throat> the thing is, you win this match, you're into the quarterfinals. Um, I think both of them, I don't think it would break either of their hearts to be out of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if it, it, whichever one of them win has got to be your favorite going forward. It's just kind of how it is at this point. Um so we'll see, but I think you are you are going to see some of the big guns playing for both teams. But I think too, you'll probably see a mix of uh, squad players and maybe even some some kids, maybe even a kid or two sprinkled in there. Okay. So um, it, it, I'm not saying now. Hey, hopefully, I'm off and home by the time it starts tomorrow. I will sit down and watch it, but it's also it's not quite like appointment must view viewing at this moment. Right. Gotcha. I'll um, say that. That's a that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't resist. You can't resist. Uh those that should be on ESPN plus, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. So there you go. Something if you want to get that, um, of course, City uh will most likely be without uh Foden and Stones. Um from there, returning from England. I guess Kyle Walker as well. Um trying to think. Who else they wouldn't have? Uh, um, well, of course, you're not going to have uh, Alvarez. Yeah, yeah. True. Certainly not going to have Alvarez. Um, they they might. I wonder if they'll start Ederson. Well, that's the thing. See, Ederson kind of in that Trent role where they only played like once in the tournament. Yeah. So, um, may, even though, you know, Pep has shown kind of a willingness to play his backup keepers in these kind of competitions. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, it, I'm almost more interested in the lineup than I am the actual match, which yeah. is just weird. But um, I'm sure we'll see James Milner tomorrow. He might turn out for both sides. Hey, he's played for both of them. Why not? You play, play, play 45 minutes for one, play switch jerseys at halftime. 45 minutes the other side amazing oh yeah oh, we're just gonna more. we're just gonna, gonna make it a testimony <laughs> i mean why not it's it's the league cup um we do have uh premier league matches coming this boxing day december 26th on monday uh get started right away with 7 30 a.m we have brentford versus tottenham hotspur uh we'll <laughs> see if tottenham can uh kick back into gear uh, as they welcome back a lot of people from this World Cup uh, and see how they do. Uh, at 10 a.m., you get a choice of matches between Everton and Wolves, Leicester, Newcastle, Southampton, Brighton, Palace, Fulham. 12.30, it's Villa versus Liverpool. Will Emmy Martinez be back for that? Probably not. Uh, Hell and then, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then at, uh, at 3 p.m., we're going to get Arsenal versus West Ham, and we'll see how Arsenal starts to deal with life without Gabriel Jesus for a few months. 
Um, on Tuesday at 12.30, you'll have Chelsea versus Bournemouth. And at 3 p.m., it's United versus Nottingham. And uh, on Wednesday at 3 p.m., it's Leeds versus City. Um, quick reminder of the table here. Uh, Arsenal do lead the Premier League. City in second. Newcastle in third. Spurs in fourth. United in fifth. Liverpool in sixth. Brighton in seventh. And Chelsea in eighth. Everton uh, and West Ham just outside the relegation zone. And that's Forest, Southampton, and Wolves in the bottom three positions. So that is how the Premier League will return this coming Monday. Um, so uh, this is actually our only news and notes story, unless, Wes, you have anything, or if you want to start getting an early, an early jump here on, uh, on the winter transfer window coming up here. Um, but this was from Richard Deitch. <laughs> this came out this morning. Um, actually, came out a few days ago. I, I saw it in an email this morning, but it came out a few days ago. Uh, final thoughts on Fox's World Cup coverage and how it can be better in 2026. Uh, Deitch does a really good job of breaking down um, the good things that Fox did because there was there was some good things Fox did in their coverage, uh, as mm-hmm. well as the the litany of of terrible things that they did as well. Yeah, that is that is pretty, pretty sure. big among them. Um, it's pretty much know. it. Just Alexei Lawless just ruined pretty much everything. So. He, he's ruining his hairline is what he's ruining um so we'll see uh how that that changes for 26 um did you have any other thoughts because uh, unfortunately for me especially once i think we hit the quarterfinals there were no more matches on fs1 which meant i was stuck on telemundo which telemundo you guys did great <laughs> that was that was an amazing you guys did an amazing world cup even if i can only understand like a third of what you were saying it was great um from what I saw, I was wholly unimpressed by uh, Fox's studio shows or studio segments. Um, I I really, really didn't care for for Lawless, of course, and I think Stone was very, very middling for most of the tournament. Um, I still don't understand why. They just have Kate Abdo doing something stupid with Chad Johnson. I just I don't don't understand that for the life of me. Um, but at least they have some like pretty good, um, some pretty good play by play and color teams. Uh, some I like how somebody mentioned in the comments, and I didn't catch this one. But I guess uh, when uh, Landon Donovan and Ian Dark were calling a match, uh, I guess Dark asked uh, Donovan about how he's going to watch, uh, I guess, an upcoming Germany match. He was like, oh, I'll probably have a, uh, you know, a beer and, and, and grab some food. And uh, Dark was like, oh, that sounds nice. I might have to join you. And Donovan goes, I don't remember inviting you. Like, that that kind of banter feels really good. And it seems like Fox has a good amount of actual pairings. I know there was a lot of complaints about John Strong and um, the guy who's with John Strong, Stu Holden. Um, being mm-hmm. American voices calling the final and not being British voices. I I agree. I think Fox I, I appreciate John Strong, but I think Fox, you gotta you gotta do the right thing and bring in someone a little bit better for your World Cup final. Mm-hmm. Um, also considering the fact that you have Ian Dark on the freaking roster. Yeah, uh, and I will say, uh, you know, Deitch mentioned in the article, you know, about not doing them maybe because he was, you know, quote unquote, on, on loan from ESPN. 
if if what we're hearing about ESPN gutting their soccer coverage is true, I don't know why Fox is really giving a shit. And I think Fox should just hire Ian Dark at this point. Like, I don't know. That that's at least put him on like a permanent retainer for for the World Cup. Uh, and get you you need to get him or or um you know John Champion or Derek Ray, one of these guys doing the World Cup final. Um yeah, absolutely. What were what were your thoughts on uh, on Fox's coverage? Because again, I'm sure you were able to actually see a lot more of it than I was with with being stuck on Telemundo. Um, it, yeah, I wasn't overly impressed with the studio show. Um, God, Lawless, Lawless was pushing this very pro Qatari agenda the entire time, yeah. which just got really old really quick. Um, as we all also know, Alexi Lawless is by far the smartest man in soccer. Just ask him. Just ask him. He'll go on a 20-minute rant about why he is smarter than everyone else, even though it never seems to work out for him anywhere he ends up. Um, Donovan, to me, just kind of had this, like, I don't know. There's, like, a weird vibe for me when Landon Donovan gets on. It's like he kind of... It's like Donovan almost takes, seems to me like he takes a little bit of offense that like the kid, these guys now are getting, they're basically like living off of a reputation that he forged. Okay. And it's almost like he takes that personally sometimes. It's just this like kind of weird vibe I get from when Donovan talks. Um, I thought Clint Dempsey was solid. Yeah, he was pretty good when I heard him. I like Clint Dempsey. Clint Dempsey, um, he kind of gives it to you straight. He doesn't sugarcoat things. Mm -hmm. I'm down with Dempsey. I love K-Dad, though, personally. She's great. I I don't understand why Chad Johnson was a member of this. I mean, it's cool. Hey, you know what? It's cool that Chad Johnson likes soccer. Yeah. I do, too. It's like Steve Nash likes soccer. Didn't work out. I mean, you know, I like soccer. I'd, I'd like a job. <laughs> I mean, when I give it to me, I like soccer and I played football. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, it, it was it was one of those deals where Fox just kind of left it out there and they never really tackled. They never touched anything about like any kind of Qatari controversies or anything. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was like a four week. Oh, this place is great. It's wonderful. Oh, everyone here's so nice. Oh, everything's just great. Where, you know, you jump on something like the SPNFC or you listen to Men in Blazers and it's like, they're just going off about all the issues around it. Mm-hmm. Where Fox is just like, yes, yes, everything is wonderful. Look, look, Alexi Lawless rode a camel. Uh, I can't remember if he did. Oh, look, today Alexi Lawless is wearing a traditional Arab garb. It's like, yeah. Okay. Whatever. It yeah. was fine, man. You know, I, I can deal with Fox better than I can some others. Mm-hmm. But it could be a lot better. And like I said, I like I like John Strong. Um, I don't have a problem so much with Stu Holden. I like Stu Holden fine. 
But even my wife, who, you know, my wife has just kind of gotten into watching it with me the last few years. Mm-hmm. Even she said, I'd much rather hear a British announcer. Yeah. So I thought that was just kind of missing a little bit, but I, I don't want to take anything away really from those two guys. I thought they did a fine job. Yeah, I think John Strong is is about as good an American uh, announcer as you're going to get, and I think yeah. Stu Holden is overall just a very is a he's less obnoxious. He's a he's a less obnoxious Taylor Twelman at this point. Yeah, uh, like I think both of them are very comparable in how much they know and their ability to speak on mm-hmm. the game, but. But Stu Holden comes off much less like a douchebag. Um, Stu Holden doesn't quite have a face that you just want to like cave in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will also say back to on this Deech article, he brought up a good point as well, um, talking about you know if if uh, if Fox really wants to go in on their their lawless is the main focus of our our analyst desk, um, they should have someone mm-hmm. or some people who can kind of push back on him a little bit. Uh, Deej put forth again, Kate Abdo, who, who I think would put up maybe mm-hmm. a little more resistance than Rob Stone did to some of his, some of his takes. Uh-huh. Um, I also think that maybe he says, you know, Donovan and Dempsey won't do it. I think Dempsey with a little more seasoning, cause I think this was his first world cup um, yeah. actually doing, doing this. So I, I think with a little more time, he could maybe be that kind of guy. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I thought Marisa Du was very good, but I, I do think that that's yeah. a good point. Um, that if you're if you're going to have Lawless be this like monumental figure of your coverage, you have yeah. to have someone who can balance him out and actually provide like a dissenting opinion um, and, and be able to really challenge him. And I, I Fox doesn't have that yet, and it's 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 kind of shocking. So well, and it's just with Lawless. Lawless is such a <clears throat> Lawless has a pretty big personality. Mm-hmm. And not only that, when Lawless stands next to these other guys, Lawless has a physical presence to him. Uh-huh. He's not a small dude. Mm-hmm. And it just, <clears throat> and trust me, I mean, as someone who towers over a lot of people myself, I get this. Um, but it was almost like Lawless just had this really domineering presence. Uh, it's like, I, I don't want to go out on a limb and say, oh, he was menacing because, I mean, he wasn't menacing, but it's kind of like, you know, Lawless almost has this look like, well, if you disagree with me, I can kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not taken away from the other guys on there. I'm saying that's just something that kind of stuck out to me. And then it's like, you know, he's he's this big, more intimidating character and then he has these strong opinions and it's like, it's almost like everyone's like afraid to dissent him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He sucks up a lot of the oxygen. He does. He does. He does. And, and you know, that's one thing I agree with, you know, cause we see a lot of Kate Abdo during uh, the champions league mm-hmm. uh, running that studio show. And I mean, now you want to talk some personalities <laughs> yeah. to deal with when you get Carragher and you get Henri, and you get Mika Richards up there. Yeah. I mean, now those are some characters. Because yep. especially you get Carragher and Richards going back and forth with each other. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, there is there is absolutely no there is no banter that this Fox squad came close with that. And Kate Abdo does such a good job of keeping them, mm-hmm. I guess, sort of in line. 
mm-hmm. while also letting them have fun and be awesome and be the reason that we want to watch their mm-hmm. coverage. So she just, she toes that line very well, but it's almost like she has kind of like this calming influence, sort of. And I, I think s- they were really missing that with this group. I think what I would liken Kate Abdo to in her coverage is she is a, and I, I swear I don't mean this in a bad way at all. Mm-hmm. I, it's just it's just a little bit different. She is a less energetic Tony Reale. Because I think <laughs> Tony Reale is a fantastic traffic cop, essentially. And also right. someone who can also interject a little bit of himself into it. And I think right. Abdu is that same way. Like, when I say she's less energetic... Literally everyone on the planet is less energetic than Tony Reale. It's just that's yeah, Tony Reale's t- underneath the definition for overboard. It's like yeah. first it talks about falling off a boat, and then it shows a picture of Tony Reale. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, there was also a great <laughs> article in the Athletic I read, I think, a couple weeks ago about him. Uh, really, really mm-hmm. gets deep into him. Fantastic stuff. But but that's that's what I imagine. Kate again, Kate Abdo being. Is is that mold of being able to to be a traffic cop to keep these personalities in line while also being able to show that she does understand the game and and has a, a voice of her right. own. I think I I think they are just and I I, I told, was talking about this with somebody else. I'm fairly confident there's got to be something in, in Rob Stone's contract that just says you are our lead soccer person. Period. The end. And until that contract is done, Abdo will be relegated to whatever the secondary thing is, which I think is a fucking travesty, but whatever. So, uh, <sighs> I agree. I agree. But, uh, you know, more Kate Abdo could not hurt their coverage. I'll put it that way. No, absolutely not. She is. I, I will say she is one. If, if, if lady Rebecca Lowe decides, decides mm-hmm. to move on to different pastures, NBC right. should just cut her a blank fucking check and say, what, right. what, what do you want? Get in here and host the Premier League every week. There you go. And she'd do a great job. She would. She would. She would. She would. She would hold the line against the two Wolbies. Um, Wolbies. Wolbies. <laughs> um, so that is actually going to do it again. Unless if you have any transfer news that we, we want to talk about uh, right before the, the transfer market opens up here. I didn't know if you had any rumblings and rumblings. Um, Nothing rumbling. Wes, I think I kind of. Oh, there you are. You're back. Okay. 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 I think I lost it again. Well, oh, it's Lord. like every time I try to say something, it's like you uh, immediately come back. It's so funny. Oh, Lord. Well, it's going to happen with Christian. That's so weird. It's like every time I speak, your microphone gets better. And then oh, it and then it goes bad again. I I really don't understand. It goes bad. Um, I don't know, but I'll try to keep going. Let's say, okay, you know, now you're um, good. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, talking about you know Ronaldo is still out there. Ronaldo could sign anywhere, anytime right now. He's a free agent. Mm-hmm. 
So he's one we definitely need to keep our ears open for because I don't know how much he's going to come in and affect a team's uh, future, mm-hmm. but he's going to be a story. So. Oh, yeah. Either way, he's he he. You want to talk about sucking up the oxygen? You know, um, you know, he he's definitely going to do that wherever he goes. So uh, he is a story. No matter how much we kind of don't want him to be the story, he is a story. So mm-hmm. uh, something to keep your eye on there. Other than that, man, we'll, we'll see. I think this January window is going to be crazy. Just coming off the World Cup, the fact that no one's played since about the middle of November. Um, you, you never know. You could get a their managers and their management. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, yeah. All right. Um, well, in that case, uh, I'm going to let you maybe, like, I don't know, restart your microphone. Um, and what I will do. Or maybe uh, I, I will I will go ahead and start pimping the athletic, uh, and I'll let you I'll let you do a little maybe a quick restart on your standing. Because um, I do have a, I do have three stories I can go through here uh, while while you do that. Um, the first one I will go through. Um, uh, this is a pretty interesting one from Dominic Feifeld a couple days ago. How China's soft power World Cup turned into a nightmare. Uh, this is essentially talking about how. Uh, China tried to get the World Cup. They bought it and thought this would start a giant soccer revolution in their country. And as we saw for a few years while doing this podcast, they tried to buy a bunch of players as well. And that has turned into a just dumpster fire. So go check out uh, the report on that. Um, I love this story. This one was actually amazing. This came out today from Nick Miller. How Neil Maupe, Josie Mourinho, and Glenn Murray... <laughs> Let me try this again. And Glenn Murray's balls helped Messi win the World Cup. Um, if you want to see a cause and effect article, go to weird places. Go check out this one out. This was a fantastic piece. Obviously, very tongue in cheek, but just showing like the crazy lead up to uh, over over many years to this World Cup final. And then uh, I think a nice little way as we uh, as we've hit kind of the end of the year here. Uh, Leon Carter did a compilation uh, yesterday of the best of the athletic 2022's top stories for MLB, NFL, NHL, global football, and more. Um, what I am a little disappointed by when I was going through this list, I didn't see it. Uh, and if and if there are some, then then please go back um, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll recant right now. Um, but I didn't see any of their. Uh, what do we call them? Oral histories, um, or they're in their own words. Like, I, I, where's Zach Grinky? I don't see Zach Grinky's name in this list anywhere. Um, well, then that list is shit. Exactly. Um, in all, in all seriousness, while I do think obviously some of those 
um, should have should have maybe been in here. I also think there was one on Bob Euchre they did, or maybe that was last year. I, I can't remember. Um, but go check these out. Again, there's a lot of great ones. Actually, the Reality article I, I referenced earlier uh, just a few minutes ago was actually uh, one of them. Uh, it, the article, Tony Reality on Life, Grief, Empathy, and Two Decades of Around the Horn by Stephen Nesbitt uh, was one of the uh, the winners. of the, There's like a ton, a ton of articles. Quite a few you've actually referenced before on this podcast. Um, so go check those out. Because, um, I mean, again, this is, if you want to see what The Athletic does best, besides their great retelling of Zach Grinke stories, uh, go mm-hmm. check out this list because it is fantastic. So that's that's what I got, Wes. What you what you've been reading this week? Well, Ed, as you know, I thoroughly enjoy when it comes down to things like player movement. Mm-hmm. And as in the football, I love the transfer portal. Well, Ed, today, Wednesday, December 21st, this was my early Christmas, late middle Hanukkah day. It was early National Signing Day for college football. Of course. And I love me some college football recruiting folks. You just, I love recruiting. He does. I am. I'm a good old Southern boy. I love my football. And and we all know that recruiting is the lifeblood of a program. (laughs) If you ain't recruiting, you ain't doing shit. Dan Mullen. Anyway, uh, so some of my stories that I have this week are Cruton uh, related. Um, Star one, this is this has been a controversial story that's hit the wire this week. Uh, Grace Rayner and Manny Navarro putting it out uh, on Monday. Of course, we all know Deion Sanders, the new head coach of the University of Colorado. Deion kind of infamously had his uh, opening. Uh, meeting with his new players, uh, his new Colorado players. It was recorded and released where he basically told everybody mm-hmm. in the room, hey, you might want to hop in the portal because I'm bringing my own luggage with me. <laughs> and it's and it's Louie. <laughs> well, you know, there were, um, I think there were 16 players, 16 high school seniors who were committed to the University of Colorado under the old regime and um, pretty much all of them got a call from a staffer uh, saying, hey, um, just so you know, uh, we're rescinding our offer to you. You know, um, we're, we're no longer offering you a scholarship to the University of Colorado. Hmm. Uh, of course, they did it in a Dion way where Dion didn't call anybody. He just had a staffer call him. And apparently they called, said it, and basically just hung up on these kids. Like oh. didn't leave it open for like didn't Boy. leave it open for discussion. Just just kind of <clears throat> kind of a shitty way to do it. So, but here's the kicker: uh, Carl Durrell, who was the head coach of Colorado, was fired back in October. I believe it was like mid October. He was fired. The athletic director, who is now the who is still the athletic director now. At that time, the week after he got fired, he called every one of the committed Colorado recruits and assured them, hey, you know, no matter who we hire next, don't worry, we're going to honor your commitment. You have a scholarship at the University of Colorado. Oh, no. 
of course, I mean, yeah, that was long before the word Deion Sanders probably ever even like ran through Colorado. Cause you know, but Dion ain't coming in and taking somebody else's guys. Dion wants a clean slate and he wants his own guys, oh. which, Hey, so here's my thing. Mm-hmm. This happens. This happens when new coaches go in. All right. They tell guys are like, look, you're not in the plans. Your best bet might be to hit the transfer portal. Dion did nothing really different from what, um, uh, 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 Mario Cristobal did when he went to Miami last year or Lincoln Riley did when he went to Southern California. He didn't really do anything different. It's just the way Deion Sanders is doing things. Yeah. He's very, he's very open. They're very public with things. Um, they record a lot of things and then put them on. It's kind of this whole prime, brand prime thing that they do. And this just didn't go into the narrative. So here's my thing. I don't have a problem with you rescinding the scholarship offer. That is your right as the coach. You you shouldn't have to take someone, especially when no one has signed anything, because this is all just verbal agreements until signing day. Um, I don't really like the way they handled it. And when other like uh, staffers and coaches like anonymously were asked, hey, what do you think about the AD thing? Every one of them's like, you serious? He did that? Why in God's name would he do that? That's not his decision. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, so now I understand where these kids are coming from, that they do feel betrayed. And to me, it's not that they're betrayed by Deion Sanders. They feel betrayed more by the athletic director now, who, by the way, will not return any of their calls. Oh, this is great. Oh, this is this is a good article. I, I encourage you to go check Ooh. this article out. It's not even very long, but it is a good article. And it's just like it just leaves you kind of like, wait, they said they said what? They did what? Are you kidding me? These idiots! These idiots! So I, I don't personally see it so much as a Dion bad. No, Dion is brash. Dion is Dion. He's going about this maybe in a way that you would be like, that's not the classiest way to go about it, but he's not doing anything that's not outside of his right as the coach. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but there is some bad, there's some bad juju around that. That said, the class he did bring in today, he brought in a solid class. So um, I'm oh, sure it'll be something that, you know, doesn't last long. <laughs> also <laughs> on Monday, this was an interesting one. Chad Graff, Long-held grudges and unretired jerseys, what it's like being the number one recruit. Uh, Basically, the last 20 years is basically the modern day of um, high school recruiting. That's 24-7. The the composite rankings, uh, the five stars, the four stars, all that good stuff. Um, So for 20 years, uh, we have had, obviously, 20 number one overall prospects. Uh, out of that, 16 of those have been NFL draft picks, 11 first round picks, three number one overall picks. Um, uh, there has been an NFL MVP in Adrian Peterson. Uh, no Heisman trophies, but now out of those 20, you're like, wait a minute, what happened to the other ones? Don't forget, some of them are still in college. So that includes hmm. Arch Manning, who's this year's number <laughs> one, uh, who's going to Texas. But um, it's really interesting. Um, uh, Chad Graff gotten t- tried to get in touch with all these number one guys. He got in touch with a handful of them and got some got some insight, got some of that juicy insight that you guys know I love to talk about and love mm. to hear about. Um, and man, I'm gonna tell you, it is a 
it is a different world out there when you are when you're a big time college football recruit. It's a different world when you are the number one overall guy. That's an even different world. And uh, just some just some fun little interesting stories in there. Nothing too outlandishly shocking. <clears throat> I don't. It, it's not quite as in depth as a good Grinky story. Oh no. Um, but still a fun, still a fun one. And my last one, man, we're sticking on the crouton. Audrey Snyder, Grace Rayner, helicopters, rainstorms, and an Urban Meyer bathroom break. Stories from high school recruiting visits. Now, one thing you will see is these college coaches, they will go to the high schools every once in a while, and they will visit with, um, you know, they can visit with the player. Uh, There's a lot of rules that go into it, but they can definitely go visit with the head coaches, the high school head coaches. And that's where a lot of these stories come from are from high school coaches uh, about um, interactions with guys like Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Kirby Smart, Jim Harbaugh, um, Ryan Day, Urban Meyer. Really fun article. That one, that one's got a lot more fun to it, say, than the Dion story did. Um, but, but it's a fun little read. There is a lot of really good college football coverage out there right now. Um, especially there with the break in the action, getting ready for the bowl games, you're getting a lot of these little in-depth looks at things, and it's a lot of fun. All righty, that's. Oh, I really need to those, read that story. Oh, but, yeah, those are those are mine. Those are mine. But yeah, definitely want to check out that Dion story. That, that sounds like a winner, just like Dion. Um, My prime time, baby. All right, let's uh, let's finish it off, Wes. Um, with you know the the thing you teased at the very beginning of the episode, it's time for the watch for Wes. What are you watching in the week that was, or the week that will be? So, Ed, I, I've brought up over a few of our past ones here that um my my wife has discovered rediscovered Brooklyn Nine Nine, <clears throat> and she's she's run through the entire Brooklyn Nine Nine series. She got to season eight, and I said, you know what? I never watched season eight, which was, of course, the last season. Excuse me. So um, I said, hey, when you get there, stop, and we'll watch them together. So tonight, we finally got around to watching season eight, or part of it at least. We watched the first three episodes. And, buddy, I'm going to tell you, they leave some funny taste in your mouth. Did, Did you? Catch season eight by any yes, chance? I did. Okay. <clears throat> um, there is definitely a much different tone around Brooklyn Nine Nine season eight. Oh yeah, you noticed uh, that? Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, I, I want to say, and I'm not being a sarcastic here when I say this. I want to say that we had talked about some of these things back when it happened to start with. Like I think we had referenced a few things, but yeah, man, it, it's it's just uh, especially that that first episode. We kind of looked at each other. My wife was like, "Now, if I'm going to have to play a PC game this whole season, we might just call this quits." Um, you, you definitely it, it's it's still funny, but. Uh, and I'm I'm not trying to trivialize anything real in this world that happened, 
but it was it was so that was like season eight was COVID has happened and George Floyd has happened in the summer <clears throat> that summer of craziness had happened and there was a lot of anti-police feelings going around and they are playing pretty hard into that. Yeah. And, uh, it is it is not quite the Brooklyn Nine-Nine that we know and love. Um, We are three in. I think we decided it, it got a little, it, it lightened up a little bit after that first episode a little it bit. Does. So yeah. we're going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and definitely finish it. But, you know, for that, that's just, man, it's almost turned into one of those shows where it's like, it was so good. And then you get to the end and it's like, uh, it, it kind of goes out a little more with a whimper than a bang. It's feeling like, but we, yeah, we are going to finish it. But, um, yeah, that just, wow. That just like really kicked out. It's like, oh. So you know, I, I watch. I don't watch Brooklyn Nine Nine for the political aspects. I watch Brooklyn Nine Nine because it's just funnier than Hill. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a simple old fella like that, but um, that that wasn't the most fun Brooklyn Nine Nine viewing of my life tonight. There are definitely still some good episodes to come, but mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a little different. It, it hits a little different. Um, I will say, just going back through the list here, uh, the fifth episode is really good. Yeah. And the eighth episode is really good. The eighth episode is really, really good. Seventh episode is also pretty good. It's not the best, but seventh episode is also pretty good. Um, okay. And then the the finale. Mm-hmm. The finale's good. Um, it made me smile a lot of times. It made me smile. Um, plus, it's a plus. So. Finales are finales are really hard. Yeah, yeah. For funny sh- for funny shows especially, they're really hard because you are kind of bringing down the curtain on everything. Everybody knows you're bringing down the curtain, but you're still trying to be funny. But at the same time, you're trying to wrap things up and there's a lot of emotion in it. So sometimes, a lot of times, finales, especially of comedy, don't really hit the way you want them to. Um, It's actually funny you mentioned that because, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Oh, we just, we finished rewatching Parks and Rec last night or two nights ago. Uh Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought their finale was like, actually really good like it's a little it's a little overly optimistic but then again i think like the whole show is overly optimistic so if you were looking for the finale to swerve and do something different like what Mm -hmm. did the first seven seasons tell you um but i thought overall like it's just really good it just it shows like okay everybody's gonna move on but this is this is an idea of where everybody's gonna be they're gonna continue on we're just not gonna continue with them but you know, everybody's everybody's going to be in a good place and and they're still going to be in each other's lives in some way. I thought the Parks and Recreation finale is really, really good. Um, I don't think the Brooklyn Nine-Nine one quite gets there, but it's it's not too bad either. Good. Good to hear at least. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting through this season, but ooh, that first that first episode was uh, 
Yeah, I say tough to get to and not not even because of all the political stuff. It's like they were trying to be funny while being political. And that's now that's really hard. When, when you're trying to be funny, but also toe the line without going over the line. Yeah. When you're when you're a show that has been like funny because you kind of go over that line. That was a that was kind of tough watching right there. The the what, reason I didn't like it is not because they go there, but I think they just did it very clumsily. Um, yes, it was very clumsy. I because and the reason I I feel that way is because I think this show has done episodes like this better. I think <laughs> Moo Moo is a really good episode that goes yes. into a very big theme and is st- and has its very weighty moments i mean essentially you know terry doesn't get a promotion or a not a a liaison job because he calls out a cop who stopped him for being black and like it's dealt with very seriously for the most part but then they're like the rest of the episode is quite funny and then there's they also know like the the quiet moments like the the when when terry goes to holt's house to talk to him and and right. Margo's in the other room giving us a slideshow presentation about her trip to Scottsdale. And right. it's, it's not done for like burst out laughs, but it's like it's just enough levity and it's done just at the right times to break up the seriousness. And so I think that's why I don't like the couple episodes that lean into this in this season is because I mm-hmm. think my nine has done this better. And they just kind right. of fumble it in these episodes. That's why I don't mind if they're going to tackle these issues. I really don't. I just, I think they've done mm-hmm. it better. And I think they just missed the mark here. So yeah. I, I agree. And maybe that's almost more what I'm thinking is like, you know, I just, it, there was, it's like, there was one point in the, in that episode where early on, it's like, it's almost like they're explaining to the audience. Oh, well, here's what's happened in the last year, you know, since we've done a show is, yeah, and you know he mentions George Floyd and this and that, and it's kind of like it's it's just kind of like this. This almost feels like it's kind of forced in because it's like you felt like you needed to say say it almost like a statement. Mm-hmm. And and I agree with you. It's like it just it didn't like fit in so much, and they have done it a thousand times better at other points. And the one of the sucky parts too about it is Mm -hmm. I think it's a great storyline overall if they Mm -hmm. had handled it better. And I also think it's such a waste of John C. McGinley. Like Oh god. He he has been nearly like Oh god, what's 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 the word? I he's he's cringeworthy in this. Yeah. And I love John C. McGinley. I have loved John C. McGinley since I saw him in Platoon in 1986. I love John C. McGinley. This is by far the worst character I've seen John C. McGinley play. Yeah. Not even close. He has some good moments. I forget the episode. Um, (laughs) there, There is one. Maybe it's episode six. Um... Maybe it's episode six. Uh, that, that's actually a pretty good episode for him and gives him a little bit more to do. But yeah, it's just he's such a good scenery chewer and mm. he just doesn't get to really do that in this show. And it was kind of 
kind of depressing. So yeah. I do. I love John C. McGill. He is he's fantastic, oh, yeah. man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh so we'll see. We'll see. Um definitely definitely here to watch season eight. Um and we'll see what happens. We we shall see what happens. Um no no I haven't watched anything really um over this past week, but uh, I've I know I've been talking about it, but uh, Spirited, the Ryan Reynolds, Will Ferrell uh, um, Christmas thing, along with uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy please. Christmas episode. Uh, I do believe one name producer Jack and I are going to be watching that as part of our Christmas Eve festivities. Um, so I'm 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 very much looking forward to watching both of those with a nice drink in hand. So we shall we shall see how that goes. Um. So yeah, that brings us to the end of the podcast here. Episode 444 is in the books. Um, yeah, this was a good one. We, we've completed the World Cup. We've completed our speed run of that. And now it's back to the Premier League. Um, and we'll be talking about that next week. Uh, but before we go, of course, I want to thank our podcast providers, including Anchor, which is powered by Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And of course, you can also find us on social media as a collective on Twitter for the still time being. We are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are. I'm at Wes Fredshaw21. And I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show. And you can email us at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Like I said, we'll be back next week uh, to wrap up the year and, and bring back the Premier League as we head into the second half of the season. But. Before we get out of here, Wes, anything else you want to mention? Oh man, it's uh, it, it is college football bowl season. Uh, we've already seen some cool things. The Celebration Bowl, the aforementioned Deion Sanders, uh, the Celebration Bowl, Jackson State, North Carolina A and T this past weekend was amazing. A uh, and T shocking the world and knocking off uh, Jackson State. In that one, ruined Jackson State's perfect season, um, but that was an awesome game. Uh, University of Florida kicking a field goal with 30 seconds left when they were down 30 to nothing, just so they could keep their uh, streak of uh, not being shut out alive. Um, it was it was uh, it was cowardly pussy football at its finest. Go Gators! Um, but yeah, the bowls are here. There have been some really good ones so far. Of course, uh, yeah. next week, by the time we pod next week, East Carolina will have played their bowl game and we'll be getting ready for the big ones coming up after next week. Um, so stay tuned on that. Uh, and just one thing to throw into signing day. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the stories of Nick Saban's imminent demise uh, may have been greatly exaggerated. He signs a number one class in the country today. Number one with a bullet, like running away. Best class they've ever signed in Alabama. Oh boy. Um, and that says something. <laughs> Which if that's the if that's the deal, then that probably goes down as like the second best recruiting class of all time. So um yeah, they're uh they're good and uh Bama Bama ain't dead yet. As long as Nick Saban uh, his breathing and his deal with the devil hasn't um, expired yet. Uh, Bama going to be just fine and dandy, y'all. Oh, my goodness. Well, 
Cruton never stops. He had Cruton never stops. Cruton never stops. But this podcast does. So for my Colin Crime West Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Have a very Merry Christmas and a happy holiday season. And until next time, stay safe and enjoy the football. Hey, good night, my Premier League brethren. It's we're we're almost back, folks. We just have we have all the big holidays. We have Festivus, we have Christmas Eve, we have Christmas, and then our gift, sweet, sweet Boxing Day. Oh, the return of Premier League football. Amazing. Uh, amazing.